0: wonderful week i know i am and honestly it has been fantastic we've gotten a lot of cold air when i woke up it's about 60 degrees sometimes in the 50s and it's really nice now given this is because a hurricane went through south florida and my condolences to everybody but i mean like i said the weather was really nice and again it's because of a hurricane and i hope that the next nice weather that comes isn't due because a Cat 4 to almost Cat 5 hurricane is heading towards Florida. Yeah, I mean, it's Florida, so gotta do what you gotta do. Anyway, we're gonna go ahead and dive right into comics. Gonna be talking about AXE Avengers issue 1. Now, this issue, uh, Tony, Wolverine, Mr. Sinister, Jean Grey, Cersei, Ajax, and Macari are in the Celestials' body, as we noted that Jack of Knives sacrificed himself so these guys can get in. Now, in this body, they're trying to activate its self-destruct sequence, or at least get it to self-destruct. Tony jokes that how he is um, the only Avengers in this Avengers, Eternals, and X-Men team-up, and he kind of feels outnumbered, to which Wolverine and Cersei remind him that they were both in the Avengers once. Uh, Mr. Sinister jokes about if he can get an invite and if Thor has anything good in his closet since he's dead. Um, Yeah, Mr. Sinister with the dark jokes here. Tony gets mad at Sinister, but he reminds him that he doesn't care and that they should focus on shutting down the Celestial. Wolverine comments that they need to... uh, That basically they just need a point to where his heart is and he'll start stabbing. As he comments this, the Celestial's antibodies... Yes. Celestials have antibodies, go figure, appear, and everybody readies to attack. Mr. Sinister reveals a cup in his most outlandish fashion with a pheromone that he once used to sneak past a celestial and comments how it's going to work and he's going to save the day. Yeah, he instantly gets attacked, so I found that very funny, and a fight erupts. Uh, Tony quips that Mr. Sinister talks too much, and Jean Grey says it takes one to know one. And it's very fun banter. Now, while they're trying to escape, Tony ends up getting captured by something. I don't know if it's the Celestial or some type of the antibodies, and is basically shown visions of his past with his friends, family commenting on his mistakes. Very similar to how the Celestial has basically been visiting everybody. Uh, he makes it through the past admitting to his mistakes and his obsession for always making a new suit to fix his problems. He admits to doing wrong and the last vision of is his with his father and they really have a heart to heart discussion and his father says he passes and it's revealed that it is basically the Celestial judging him. Tony comes to and explains that it's not over since the Celestial is basically still judging them and that they have a chance. Now this comic was a night was a basically a nice role to the other issues that are going to be coming in and we basically have to wait i want to say by the end of this month before the last issue of avengers not avengers eternals versus x-men finishes and i'm excited to see how this ends because from x-men versus eternals to basically a celestial getting involved it's all pretty good and this issue was nice it basically continues the story. Without making things unnecessary, like the Marauders issue happened. I know they just released Spider-Man. Uh, tie in with this with him seeing Gwen Stacy. We're sadly not going to review it this week because I've honestly had my fill of Zeb Wells this week with his other issues, but we're going to continue down the line. And speaking of Zeb Wells, we're actually going to talk about his issue, Spider Man issue number nine. Now, this is a tie in to the Hellfire gala where Mary Jane was at, and it was revealed that Mora, Moria, Mora, Moria. I Moria had taken over Mary Jane's body, she ended up escaping, and Spider-Man and Wolverine basically went after her. Spider-Man changed into his new costume and went after a mutant hating organization. It is revealed that they have Moira's robot body and they're basically holding it hostage and needs Mary Jane. Uh, to basically infiltrate the mutant gala which is why moria was basically take her over and she's trying to use mary jane to get her original body back wolverine spider-man destroy the robots and i gotta say spider-man knowing that these things are robots definitely takes them out with extreme aggression It is also revealed that another mutant is tagging along and following Moira to keep track of them. Once their location is known to Wolverine and Spider-Man, they all attack, dispatching everybody pretty quickly. Spider-Man saves Mary Drain and is basically almost stabbed, but Wolverine takes the hit. They save the day and Mary Jane is back. Peter wants to talk to Mary Jane, but she is very standoffish and says no. Peter asks if this is about Paul, and she states that not everything is about him, and it's about responsibility, which she says he should know something about. Now, I've already stated my opinion on Zeb Wells, and I'm still going to state it again. He really, really sucks at writing Spider-Man. I get that he has a bunch of other series under his belt, but I mean, I really don't think he's understanding Spider-Man, and I worry about him being the lead writer at Marvel Zombies, uh, the upcoming series that's supposed to be TVMA, which again, I'm very excited to see how they're going to work that. But again, it's very weird, and I'm not looking forward to the whole Gwen Stacy being back with the whole Eternals vs. X-Men and the judging thing. I just hope his writing gets better because, honestly, I'm not going to front. He did a fantastic job when he came to Tombstone. That was amazing. That whole setup was brilliant, and it shows that, given the chance, he can be a good writer. But I guess he chooses not to be at times. Anyway, uh, moving on from Zeb Wells and Spider-Man, we're going to go ahead and jump back into DC. And start off with a series which I'm actually really enjoying, which is Mech issue number 3. Now in this issue, the island where they're keeping their Nth medal is being attacked. And the team consisting of Superman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Flash, and Batman go down and start destroying the Parademons. While this is happening, Darkseid is talking to his harpies. And one particular catches my eye, which is Starfire. So my guess is in this world, Starfire's world was taken over by Darkseid and she was made into a Harpy, which makes sense because she's very powerful in her own right. Now, while this is happening, the team is destroying Parademons and Clark starts doing some really reckless moves, going to kill Parademons, uh, taking unnecessary damage, and he even destroys one of our gas tank, putting everybody in danger when it explodes. After the fight, everyone really agrees that Clark is being really reckless. Meanwhile, while this is happening, Steve Trevor is in space attacking Karabakh's ship with a huge laser, which actually does some significant damage. Uh, Karabakh opens boom tubes around the fleet, and Steve Trevor tries to communicate and ask for help, and says he needs to retreat. But Luther reveals he's cut off all communication and has stranded them there so people would be inspired by their deaths. It's nice to see that Luther is still Luther no matter how much power he holds. Yep, always fun. (laughs) Anyway, uh, no matter, uh, basically, no matter what's happening, Steve Trevor is trying to contact anybody and anyone to help them out he actually uses a pirate signal to get the message to the team superman hearing that they need help goes to the control center of their base sends it off into space in the middle of the battle putting everybody in danger they all suit up and go to defend uh, steve trevor and his troops see trevor basically goes see wonder woman tells him that he's grateful that they were able to get his signal and basically says that he loves her and and we all know where this is going, ends up dying instantly. Yep, as soon as I heard those words, I'm like, oh, he's dead. (laughs) I mean, at this point, it's cliche, but anyway, uh, they save most of the fleet that were there and begin to get overwhelmed. Clark is told to fall back with the others, but continues to press on. Batman tries to save him to get him back, but Darkseid takes uh, control of the situation and shoots a Unibeam at him. Clark is presumed dead, but in reality lands back into Earth in a place called Smallville on a farm. Yes, he is on John and Martha Kent's farm, and they pick him up while he's unconscious with his mech there. Now, I love how this came full circle with him still ending up on the Kent's farm and meeting his Earth parents. Very excited to see how this all ends up wonder if he's going to get amnesia or if not see how they're going to teach him to not be reckless because honestly it kind of got annoying how reckless he was but either way i'm still enjoying this series uh interested to see how far it goes and wondering how it's going to end and who else has a mech because honestly i'm very excited excited and interested to see what other creations these mechs have made I'm curious to see if we're going to get Martian Manhunter. That would be actually pretty cool. Anyway, uh, that's it for comic books. We're going to be moving on to TV shows. Now... I'm going to talk about She-Hulk and how this in this episode was actually not too bad was definitely better than the previous episode and actually allowed us to look into Blonsky's rehab program and what he was doing with the former villains. It was fun to see some comic book villains brought to the screen, especially some C-listers, which we all knew was never going to make it to the movies. I mean, people like. Uh, what's the dude's name, uh, Manticore or the Human Manticore and stuff like that. I mean, these guys are nothing big where they're going to cause super destruction and need an entire Avengers team. These guys are mostly like one and dones, hit them hard and they're down. But again, it's interesting to see and I know that this is supposed to connect with the upcoming Captain America movie, which I'm excited to see. And excited to see how if we're going to get any hint of the leader's involvement. Again, can't wait to see it. There's only two episodes left of She-Hulk, so hopefully they're good ones. And Matt Murdock is at, at least two of them. If he's only one, that's fine. But again, we're really getting tired of the whole oh, stick uh, with the carrot and stick thing. Anyway, moving on. One thing I'm going to admit... Two is I haven't been able to see the latest episodes of Ring of Power and just going to be honest I've been very busy so next week I am going to be doing a deep dive if not next week the week after but I will be getting back to the Ring of Power because like I said before it's not a bad show it's just taking its time. Anyway, uh, moving on to House of Dragon Episode 6, I am just going to start off to say how crazy it is to see how much has changed in a 10-year jump and how everything is affected. Uh, One thing I found very interesting was to see King Vasari still alive. I mean, the dude is a zombie by now and clearly has lost his arm. But anyway, uh, one thing that's very interesting was the fact that the new actresses for Ranera and we were actually not that bad. We're very great. And I know a lot of people were worried about that since they were changing actresses. Now, the one thing that was interesting was the fact that the queen, right after Ranera gave birth, asked to see the baby right then and there. And I gotta give props to Ranera for not only just giving birth, going through that entire process, but Walking all the way to the queen's quarters while bleeding. I don't know much about childbirth, but I can already say that it looks absolutely painful. And that's not even talking about how long she took to walk all the way to the queen. So props to Renera. God, definitely has a pain tolerance higher than anyone that I know. At least any guy I know. Anyway, um, one thing that I found funny was as soon as she saw the baby and uh, King Viserys came in, was like, oh my God, he has uh, Lenore's nose or something like that, was the fact that when she got to the baby, she instantly checked the baby's hair. And I was like, wow, not even giving her a chance. But anyway, uh, one thing I always found funny when watching this episode was the fact that why Rhaenyra's white hair isn't dominant in any of her kids, but brown hair is. Because if you look at Vesaurus, uh all his kids have white hair, while Alyssa's hair is brownish red. Now, this could be explained through many things. Uh, it can only be a, maybe it's a dominant trait for men and a recessive gene for women. Uh, one of my friends talked about how he thinks that because she wasn't a virgin... Uh, that was one of the reasons why Rhaenyra's kids did not have white hair. Again, in the world of magic and dragons, the possibilities are very endless. Now, it's also very funny to see that everybody sees, except the king, that her king's guard, Sir Harwin Strong, is the father. Hell, even the king's hand. His father sees it. And it's very interesting to see how the king basically has blinded himself or is choosing not to see it because the accusation could be very, very harmful. Uh, One thing I will give Lenore credit is that he seems like a decent guy and is trying to help out the best he can while being forced to have this marriage. I mean, is he doing the best best? No. If he was doing that best of a job, he would have had at least one kid with her, but... Anyway, uh, one thing that was saddening to me and actually made me angry was how Sir Christian Cole has grown bitter and hateful towards Ranera. And I really hate to see a character that I originally thought was good turn evil. I mean, I found it funny how he hates Ranera for not choosing him and is basically now the Queen's puppet. I mean, he went to one dog to another. Anyway, uh, one thing I found interesting was how the children seemed to be getting along and that her, one of her kids, uh, Alicent's, has yet to gain a dragon. Uh, one thing I found funny was Alicent trying to get her kids to want the Iron Throne, manipulating them as her father manipulated her. Uh, the difference between Alicent's and Rhaenyra's mothering is definitely defined here. Because Rhaenyra just truly loves her kids and Alicent really sees them as stepping stones for them to take the Iron Throne. Honestly, Alyssa's mothering smothering seems to be on the course like Cersei's. Maybe a bit worse, because I mean, at least Cersei really loved her kids. Anyway, I guess that really goes to show what the difference is between having a kid out of love and having a kid out of duty can really do. Anyway, uh, one thing I will say is this episode, I thought this episode was great enough, but it got better. Uh, one thing I was really surprised to see was Damon. Damon was really calm this episode i mean really really tamed and his wife wow was actually very peaceful well not peaceful but was really a nice fit for him and that they had two kids and it seemed like he favored one over the other and him and his wife really got along she's just as adventurous as he is riding dragons also a dragon rider and seemed to have the same free spirit uh, one thing was that shocked me was how fast I had grown to like this person and how fast they died. I mean, it's Game of Thrones, I shouldn't have been surprised, but the way she went out was very unique. So, she's giving birth and it shows, or the doctor tells him, that the head is not out. That the feet are coming out and they're going to have to perform a C-section. Hearing this, his wife runs outside. Surprisingly, no one stops her while in childbirth, even. I mean, yeah, no, that was very interesting that no one decided to stop her or she ran faster than anybody. Goes to her dragon and the one thing that she said before all this was that she wanted to die a dragon rider's death. So she goes to her dragon and tells her in Valerian, To burn her alive. Now, I'm not going to front. Her dragon really, really didn't want to do it. Really looked sad, too, to just burn someone he... I think the dragon's a woman or a man. Well, either way, for the dragon to bond with somebody and to have to kill them. The dragon obeyed the order, but it looked very sad. And it was just heartbreaking to see. But yeah, she ended up uh, passing away in front of her husband and basically left her kids motherless. Now, whether or not it was the right thing to do, who knows? I mean, we all saw what a C-section is like in Game of Thrones time era with basically the first episode. So, I mean, the odds of her kid even surviving was low. So, who knows whether or not they both, I mean, she would have died, but whether or not her kid would have lived either, so. Meanwhile, uh, while this is happening, uh, Lara Strong, who I talked about being basically a contender for Littlefinger, basically burned that title into himself when he basically did something horrendous, even by Game of Thrones standard, well, maybe not Game of Thrones standard, but still horrendous either way. So the queen goes to him, talks about how she wishes, wishes, wow I can't speak today, that her father was still the king's hand because he would be more inclined to her. So what does this man do? He sets up a plot to kill not only his father, but his brother. Yes, this man not only plots, but succeeds in killing Renera's lover and the king's hand. Now, this is hilarious, because I'm like, wow, this dude is basically like Tyrion if he was evil. Meanwhile, while this is happening, Lenore tries to convince his wife to run away to his family home, because they have no friends here, and his logic is sound. He is right, they should have left King's Landing and go with family. Now, whether or not this would have helped the situation, who knows, but Rhaenyra disagrees with him, but later on, after learning about Sir Harwin's death, agrees that they need to leave King's Landing. Now, Lenore is somewhat hesitant in a way, but he looks at her for a minute, but soon shifts his gaze to his lover, and the queen basically says that, hey, you can bring him too, we're gonna need all the swords we can get. And, I mean, I thought that was really nice, how, like, I mean... I don't think anyone else would have told their husband that they could bring their lover. But anyway, I will say this. A lot of the problems that Renera is facing is kind of her fault. And is due to her own making. I mean, this all started, I mean, given there was other factors with her lying about basically making love to her uncle. Which she didn't do, but she ended up mounting Sir Christian Cole. Again, if she didn't lie about being a virgin, maybe none of this would have happened, or at least waited until after the whole marriage thing. I mean, her lying to Alyssa was the final straw in the coffin, but anyway, one thing also was the fact that she should have at least had one kid with Lenore, and not all three of them with Sir Harwin. That made things a lot harder on everybody. I mean, at least one kid would have been fine. A lot, at least one of them would have had white hair. That would have been great, but not all of them being, I mean, brown-haired. I mean, heck, Damon commented, was like, does she have another kid that looks ex- almost, a resembles uh, her king's hand in a way to his wife? And it was funny, because everybody saw it except the king. But anyway, I'm excited to see what episode 7 is going to bring to the table, because... One thing I'll say is the trailers for it makes it look crazy. And I listen, having a knife to an Ooh, it's going to be fun. Anyway, uh, that's it for TV shows with House of Dragon. We're going to be moving on to movies. Now, I have yet to see Hocus Pocus 2, but while I haven't watched it, I have yet to see uh, people that I know knock it. I've heard everybody that I... No, even people I've gone to the bars with who have, like, Hocus Pocus tattoos, which is very interesting to see, but they say they all love the second one, that the second one brought a lot of the same energy from the first one. It was tacky, it was this, it was that, but it was still good. And I find that funny because I've seen a bunch of articles, including the New York Times bash it for being campy. And I'm there like, really? This is the same movie, or same this is the sequel to the same movie where everybody bashed it, but it became a cult classic because it was campy. That it was supposed to be like that, like uh, what's another word I'm thinking about? Tacky, like have that like little charm to it. I mean, is it gonna win an Oscar? No. It's not. It's a it's a movie made for kids and adults too, about Halloween, about witches. It's not supposed to be hard hitting an Oscar performance. It's supposed to be fun. And I think a lot of people looking into the movie forgot that. But anyway, like I said, apparently the second one is amazing. I've met a lot of people who loved it. I am very curious about the movie, we'll probably watch it myself, or you know what, watch it with my sister, who knows? And anyway, I think a lot of critics are setting a very high standard for this movie when it's supposed to be a fun film. And like I said before, when the first one came out, I mean, a lot of critics didn't like it, but it became a cult classic. And I guarantee you a lot of people will be putting this sequel into their Halloween watch list for movies next year and the years after that. Anyway, speaking of Halloween, Werewolf by Night is coming out this month, and I'm very just excited to see how monsters are going to be introduced into the MCU. Anyway, one bit of news that came out which I loved was Armor Wars is now going to be a movie instead of a TV series. Now, I think it's amazing that it's happening because War Machine definitely deserves his own movie. I mean, in the comics, he basically took over the mantle Of Iron Man for a bit when Tony was uh, missing in action. Uh, One thing I'm very interested to see is who the villain is going to be. Because I don't know if this is going to be connected to Captain America. If this is going to be connected to something else. Because the premise is that Tony's technology falls into the wrong hands. Now, interestingly enough, I don't know if they're going to introduce other heroes, new heroes, villains. Or if Ironheart is going to make an appearance. Now, I've heard that White Vision and Justin Hammer is going to be in this series. So, again, maybe Justin Hammer has something to do with the main villain. Who knows? It could be the Living Laser. It can be... who else? We already had Whiplash. I'm not very familiar with Iron Man villains. Maybe uh, the AI chick from the new Black Cat... No, uh, Iron Cat series. Who knows? Iron Man has a very diverse cast of villains. Anyway, uh, one thing that also would pretty much make sense if Ironheart would appear in this series and basically be mentored by War Machine since he would have the most combat experience in a suit and with his upgraded suit that he got in uh, Endgame with, I believe, its nanotech as well. It should be interesting to see. Anyway, super excited for it and excited for the other bit of Marvel news that we got. Deadpool 3 has officially been announced and Wolverine is going to be in this one, played by Hugh Jackman. Yes, Hugh Jackman is coming back to play Wolverine and I am super excited about it. Now, I am wondering if maybe Cable's time travel device will play a part in this. Who knows? Because, I mean, he died in Logan. I have no idea how they're going to be introduced, how they're going to meet. This is a different Wolverine who knows I'm excited about it and the best part this movie is going to be in the MCU or this movie can be about them getting to the MCU who knows I can't wait for it because it has been too long since Deadpool has hit the screens and I would love for him to be in it heck I would love for him to show up in any of the upcoming TV shows would be great just him being a cameo him messing around and making jokes would be awesome Anyway, and another thing I forgot to say is this is supposed to be rated R. So we're going to see action-packed with Deadpool and Wolverine team up. Oh, just talking about it makes me excited. Anyway, uh, moving on and continuing with Marvel, but I guess this would be a low point or somewhat midpoint. So Blade is going through another rewrite at the frustration of the actor. And from my understanding, they're going from scratch. But, on a high note, they're getting the same writer who did Moon Knight. So, it could be definitely great. And, this movie is supposed to be scary, especially with Sam Raimi taking the helm and being the director. I'm excited for it. I love Sam Raimi, especially when it comes to him being a horror movie guy. So, can't wait to see it. Moving on from that, a document series is coming, and I know your guys are saying, wait a minute, why is this document series in the TV show thing? Because apparently this is supposed to be like a movie part one and part two, so again, series, I guess is a interesting word for it, but it's going to be talking about the hate Barney the Dinosaur caused back in the 90s, and the threats that came with it, like death threats and all that stuff I'm interested to see how this goes and I actually might check it out, because I mean, I grew up in the I grew up being a 90s kid, so I loved Barney when I was a young boy. So, interested to see how much hate he actually got. But anyway, uh, that's it for movies. We're going to be moving on to video games. Now, I actually got to play the demo for the new Dragon Ball game, Dragon Ball Breakers, and I can say with such confidence that it sucked. Yep, it really, really sucked. Not gonna lie, the controls were wanky. I actually played it with my friend, because I mean, we weren't really gonna buy the game per se. I heard there was a demo, so we decided to try it out. And I mean, I was running in random directions half the time. And I got lucky to where I was able to find some items to attack, find the keys. So basically what this game is, is if you guys ever played Friday the 13th or Dead by Daylight, it's basically that for Dragon Ball. Where you're up against uh, the three main Dragon Ball villains, Dragon Ball Z villains, Boo, Cell, and Frieza. And you got to find these keys, put them to this area to unlock the time machine to get on it and escape before Frieza kills everybody. Which, if he ends up killing anybody or the others, he basically wins the game and he evolves uh, the more time passes. So he goes from first form to second form to third form to final form and all that stuff. Like I said, I mean... For a game, it kind of sucks. There's other games out there that do it better. And I mean, I guess you can be like, oh, but it's Dragon Ball. But I can be like, oh, Dead by Daylight has Stranger Things, has um, Resident Evil, Friday the 13th, has Michael Myers. I mean, sure, Dragon Ball. In this aspect, not worth it. I mean, the only good thing I could probably say about it is it only costs 20 bucks. So it's, I mean... If you have 20 bucks to spare and you want to play a game like Dead by Daylights but are surrounded by family members, I mean, I guess this is the game for you. Anyway, moving on, uh, Sackboy Big Adventures is coming to PC, and I'm excited to see a lot more PlayStation exclusives finding their way to PC, and I hope uh, you PC players enjoy Sackboy. Anyway, uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet has introduced a new video and a new Pokemon that has taken the meme community by storm, Wigglet. Yes, if you're wondering why that sounds familiar, because I guess he is the cousin of Diglet, but is a water type, and I have no idea what the evolutions are going to be, but as soon as, soon as soon as Nintendo released that video, it was basically like Girl Bowser all over again. I mean, the memes are just hilarious. So, if you guys have seen any of those memes, please send it to me. I love them, they're funny, and I'm curious to see what the evolutions will hold. Anyway, moving on, uh, Overwatch 2 has released a new trailer for their map called uh, Esperanza or Esperanca. I mean, it looks okay. I'll say this it really looks like it's going to be a sniper map and a great map if you're a Widowmaker man. But on another note, uh, Overwatch 1 has officially shut down because Overwatch 2 is going to be released, I think, in a day or two. And with this coming on, I'm hoping the game is good. I mean, it's free, so I'm definitely going to be playing it. And we'll see if Overwatch 2 gets to outshine Overwatch 1. On another note, the Callisto Protocol is looking more... And more fantastic. They released a story trailer recently. And one of the actresses in the game. I saw and I was like where do I know this person from. And it racked my brain for a couple of days. Until I was on Amazon. And uh, the not the trailer. But the poster of the boys came on. And I instantly recognized who that was. It's the same actress who played Kimiko. Is going to be in the uh, Callisto Protocol. I'm excited for it. And another thing I found out was that same actress was Katana. In the first Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, I don't think anyone else would have known that too unless they saw the credits. But again, I saw something in the lines of uh, Facebook comments and they mentioned that. And when I looked it up, it was true. Anyway, uh, one thing also is going to be releasing this month is Modern Warfare 2. Now, I've already pre-ordered it. It's going to be on my PC. And I'm excited to see how it all goes down because I am a big Call of Duty fan But I'm not afraid to skip it once a generation and like I said I skipped Vanguard because it really looked like it was going to suck but I'm excited for Modern Warfare 2 and I'm excited for Warzone 2. Uh, Moving on that's it for video games we'll be moving on to nerd theories. Now one of the biggest nerd theories I've been having this week is basically about Armor Wars. Now, I think the biggest reason for Armor Wars going to be a movie instead of a series is because they see that a lot of their recent TV shows have been drawing a lot of criticism for being so slow, not entertaining, and just trolling, especially with a lot of hate going along with uh, She-Hulk and Ms. Marvel. Now, I understand some of the criticisms for both shows coming, especially coming off of high intense shows like Moon Knight, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, WandaVision, What If, and etc. Now, compared to these two shows with the others, they're a lot slower, don't seem to add much to the MCU, and are kind of like, eh. Now, given some of these shows do have their merits and stuff like that, but still, I mean... Honestly, watching She-Hulk, I'm like, I mean, this is fun. But I'm ready for, like, the hard-hitting, compelling MCU stories. I mean, like the movies. I'm just excited we're getting Black Panther 2. And it's funny, because I think of watching Black Panther 2, and I'm like, is this really in the same universe as She-Hulk? Anyway, I'm excited to see how fast-paced these things can go. And one thing I'm excited to see is just Rhodey getting his own movie. Because Don Cheadle is an excellent actor. Actor and has a lot of good uh, movies under his belt. And like I said before, Rhodey definitely deserves his own movie because in the comics, after Iron Man goes MIA, he takes over the role. And I'm wondering if that's what's going to happen here. Now, I understand that Don Cheeto's Marvel contract is up, but with this becoming a movie, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a bit bigger deal and gets a multi movie deal with him being the new iron man or something like that and again i mean don cheeto has been with the mcu for what since 2009 or 10 so almost 10 plus years so i wouldn't be surprised if he still continued to stick with it until the end of um was was secret wars thank you for a minute there my mind blanked out where everything gets reset anyway Another uh, nerd theory that I have this week is talking about the future of video games. And in my opinion, I think the future of video games for a long while until technology gets more and more advanced will be single player games over multiplayer games. Now, it seems like the quality of multiplayer games recently have really dropped significantly, especially with the past few years. Now, there have only been a few multiplayer games that have taken Uh, the top spots and has been really good but compared to recent franchise entries like battlefield call of duty halo they have met been met with basically lackluster criticisms and haven't released something good in a long while i mean even world of warcraft has been draining in the dumps with their most recent releases and stuff like that now there are some exceptions to this, I mean No Man's Sky, GTA, Destiny, oh, where there was another one, Is Gen- I think Genshin Impact is a multiplayer game, it could be single player, I could be wrong, but a lot of uh, like Japanese games that are multiplayer have really taken storm, but like I said, a lot of the games recently that have been really hard hitting, really compelling has basically been single player games. Now, one thing I will say is some single player uh, games have really done multiplayer really well, but some of them have focused so much in single player that when it comes to multiplayer, it's been lackluster. Like, what's a good example? Red Dead Redemption 2. Fantastic, fantastic single player game. Really great storytelling. Multiplayer sucked. GTA. I mean, honestly, GTA can be somewhat in the middle. Fantastic single player fantastic multiplayer i mean heck multiplayer has been going around for 10 plus years with new expansions and everything else but like i said i think for right now single player games are going to be the biggest thing with more depth st- uh, storytelling than multiplayer games can handle and honestly more hype i mean look at the hype for a uh, single player games like god of war ragnarok spider-man 2 Wolverine I know a lot of these are PS4 exclusives but anyway or not PS4 PlayStation exclusives but I mean it just goes to show that PlayStation with it being a majority of single-player games still has that hype something that Microsoft now really doesn't have maybe a couple games here and there but hopefully Microsoft gets the message and releases more compelling single-player games Anyway, uh, that's it for my theories for the week. We're going to be moving on to current events. Now, recently, Ukraine has officially sent in the application for them to join NATO. And apparently, they're on the fast track to it being determined. Now, being on the fast track doesn't mean instantly. It can take months. It can take maybe years. But the main thing is they have to have a unanimous decision by all 30 NATO members. And honestly, I hope they're able to get accepted and be able to push Russia further back out of their own country and prevent Russia from invading another country within Europe. Because honestly, this whole campaign has been terrible and Ukraine definitely deserves to get their uh, land back that was illegally taken by Russia. Anyway, I hope Russia ends up forfeiting from the war. But Then again, one thing I did find funny was the fact that a lot of Russian men are escaping Russia because they're starting to draft men who don't want to fight in this war. Uh, Definitely interesting to see and wonder if this is going to backfire on Putin. Anyway, uh, that's it for current events. And that's it for this week's episode. So I will see you guys next week. Hope you guys have a blessed day and see you guys later. Sayonara. Farewell. Have a blessed day. Goodbye.